Mana 3 Media. Let's face it, the world is just a messy place. There's probably not one of us that hasn't heard a lesson or some information at some point and said, hey, with all that's going on around me, what difference does that make? I'm Dr. Mike Courtney. I'm a counselor, a lifelong recoverer, a husband, a father, a business owner, a grandfather, and I love to ask this question, what difference does that make? Hello friends and welcome to What Difference Does That Make? A podcast that's dedicated to helping you live a holy, healthy, and happy life, sometimes in a very messy and difficult world. Uh, Speaking of messy and difficult, uh, my friend David Wilkinson is here. (laughs) I have introduced you every time we've done this by speaking of, and it doesn't matter what we're talking about, I always say, speaking of, here's David Wilkinson. How did I I know you were going to segue with messy and difficult (laughs) to me? How did I know? I saw it coming a mile away, Mike. David, you know, we have become... I think good friends over this season and this is a little uh, kind of almost a little sad this is we think the last episode of season number one right of what difference does that make and it has been a fun fun run I feel the exact same way you are a friend of mine and you are someone who's become very important to me and to my family and uh, so I am thrilled to have been a part of it but yeah uh, make no mistake there's there's a really good chance that there's more on the way Uh and at some point and we'll let them know about that as it comes you know uh my kids have introduced me to series binging you know instead of used to watch some television program once every week and now you just wait to the end you know, I can see one of these days, people are going to be binging on what difference does that make. Not only that, when they're done with season one, they're going to be looking for that trailer to drop about season yeah. two. So when we get to that, we will update the audience. Yeah. And so I would say to your audience, make sure that you are checking your uh, podcast feed. Be looking for bonus episodes, special episodes, or a trailer for season two. We're just not able at this moment to say when and where. Sure. But it will be on the way. So just keep looking for it. And yeah, season one has been a pretty stellar run in a crazy season. <laughs> it has been. Of all years to begin this, we picked 2020. We know how to pick them. But I think God has been in that. I think that really has been an important thing. And since we're talking about this last episode, let's kind of get into that. We are going to talk today about maybe, in my mind, the most important topic we could ever talk about, and that is helping others. We're going we're gonna to talk about the fact that I believe we're not made for ourselves, we're not in this alone, that, that part of our very purpose for being is to have an impact on and be a contributor to society as a whole and individuals in particular. We're supposed to help others. Part of the way we're going to do that is by having a teaching from one of our staff members. Uh, Marlena Butler is a gifted therapist She helps direct uh, New Life University, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. But I asked her to do a teaching on forgiveness. If you're going to really help people, you have to be willing to forgive, look beyond their faults and, and hurts and those kinds of things. 
And so Marlena does a wonderful job in walking us step by step through the forgiveness process. And you're also going to talk with uh, Debbie Russell, who's yes. also on staff, and you're going to be talking about pastoral counseling. But I do want the audience to know that Debbie was featured in a previous episode. If you guys go back and listen to, I think it's the fourth episode, and it's called Making Marriage a Party. And Debbie is featured on there, and she's talking about rescuing versus helping. Yes. So yeah. if you haven't caught that, go back in your feed, find that episode, because that's a wonderful segment. But she's a great conversation in this episode with you today. She really is. And in many ways, Debbie is, I call her the poster child for Branches. The vision of Branches as it was born as a counseling center was always this marriage between state licensed therapists and pastoral counselors. And Debbie is one of our most well-known and in-demand pastoral counselors. She does an absolute terrific job, but she comes to us from a little bit different perspective. As a pastoral counselor, more uh, all of our counselors say this is what the Word of God says, but more able to directly confront people with that. And so we're going to talk about pastoral counseling and what that means. And speaking of that, what I would like for our listeners to do this time is to go to newlifeuniversity.org, .org, newlifeuniversity, all one word, .org. Uh, Branches has, down through the years, developed a training school for pastoral counselors. We're very good at it, even if I do say so myself. We have developed a lot of wonderful pastoral counselors. And as people listen to this, they may feel a tug on their heart to say, I wonder if God would have me do that. You can get a lot of good information at newlifeuniversity.org, our school, our training ground for pastoral counselors. Or you can always go to the Branches website, branchescounselingcenter.com, and there under the What We Do tab, you'll see New Life University. So I'd encourage people to, to do that, and you will leave some information about that in the show notes. I absolutely will. I'll put that in the show notes. And Mike, uh, since this is the last segment that you and I will be sharing, at least for a little while, right. I just want to say to our audience, um, there's so much great stuff in this podcast, season one, uh, to go back through, uh, to cycle back around and listen to. It's very, very beneficial. There's some great staff teachings. Uh, I remember when Kevin talked about music and relaxation. Yeah, wasn't that fun? That was fantastic. Of course, I mentioned Debbie talking about rescuing versus helping in that previous episode. You've got some great conversations with guys like songwriter Brian White. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You talk with uh, Jared Downhauer about the Enneagram. Yes. There's just some wonderful bits of content all throughout season one. And so I would highly suggest anyone who has enjoyed listening to the podcast to go back. Yeah. You know, just like a good series that you love that you go back and rewatch and share it with others. We would love for you to go back and listen, find benefit in it, and share it with a friend. Mm -hmm. So, but Mike, I'm really honored to have been a part of season one. Thanks for letting me do anything with this because it's <laughs> it's really important stuff. Well, you quite honestly, it wouldn't have been possible without you. I, I you can take everything I know about making podcasts and put it in a thimble. But I've enjoyed growing together and getting to know you. Me too. One of the things that you said a few episodes ago that there is a there's a theme that runs through this. I one of the themes is I introduce you every time by speaking of and whatever we're talking uh -huh. about. Another theme you said runs through this is that 
all of the people I've interviewed are my friends. Right. And they either have been for a long time or they become that through the course of this. But yeah, this is really conversations that I have with my friend. Here is one other theme, I think. The, the podcast and everyone we have talked to have been about helping other people. If there is a passion in my life, it's that, is to, is to make a difference. And so I want to tell you a story. David, this is not found in the John book. It's not found on our website. It's just a very personal story. My earliest memories as a, as a little boy growing up are of my mother sitting on the side of my bed and saying to me every night after she would say whatever she said, you should have cleaned your room and why'd you make an F in your math paper, all those things she said. But, but every night she would say to me before she uh, tucked me in, she would say, make sure that your life makes a difference and you help people. That somehow has stuck with me and whatever I do, whether it's driving a truck or working in a factory or making podcasts with my friend, I have to be about helping people. And so I think it's appropriate that we end this season one with that thought, with that theme. And when we talk about what difference does that make, how can we help others? And uh, you're going to hear Marlene, you're going to hear Debbie, and hopefully you'll come away with somebody saying, make sure that your life matters and you help others. Welcome to this episode, and let's get started. We are blessed to have Marlena Butler as one of the therapist counselors at Branches Counseling Center. Marlena also, by the way, is the Dean of Students of New Life University, and so it's appropriate that she would be a part of this. Uh, this is a great teaching that she did on forgiveness Hi everyone, this is Dr. Marlena Butler from Branches in Murfreesboro. A little bit about me, I'm a certified grief recovery specialist, nationally licensed clinical Christian therapist, nationally licensed clinical pastoral counselor, and dean of students for New Life University, Murfreesboro's own skills training school of pastoral counseling and life coaching. Now here's Marlena. I'm really excited today to have your listening ears to explore with me apologies, forgiveness, and grace. I'm going to do my best to give a full spectrum view in as concise a way as I can. So I'm going to share personal experience to give what may be a fresh understanding of those three and how they work together. So not too long ago, I unintentionally hurt someone that I cared about. Anyone like me not a big fan of texting? <laughs> well, it was one of those situations when something I sent came off really wrong on the other end. I knew as soon as I saw the other person's response and I quickly did what I could to clean it up. I sincerely apologized and the person that I cared about said we were good, no apology was needed and the conversation ended on good terms. Now in this very real example, I was the offender and the person I cared about was the offended. Apologies are for the offender. It was my responsibility to apologize because I recognized that my action caused harm to someone. It really doesn't matter or it didn't matter then that I didn't mean to because the person I cared about was hurt and that hurt was real. I felt terrible that something I said caused the series of thoughts for the other person to where they were hurt by it. 
Now, when I said it didn't really matter that I didn't mean to, it matters in that for definitely me to know that I didn't mean to and for the relationship, but on the emotional level and responding to this person was hurt, even though it got cleaned up and cleared up in a few minutes, but for those few minutes that it came across really wrong and the other person was hurt by it, then that's what needs to be addressed. That is what needs to be acknowledged. And that's what I did. When you realize you've messed up, you do something about it. Apologize so that you can move forward. Forgiveness is for the one who is offended, not the offender. It is letting go of the pain of what was done so that you can move forward, not feeling held hostage by it. Because it doesn't have to be game over, that's it, no hope. No. Let me say this though, no matter the circumstances, an apology is not required for you to forgive and release yourself from the torture cell you can box yourself into when you dig your heels in and you do not forgive. Would you like to know that the person feels a little bad for what they did? Yes, but is it required for you to do the thing that you can do for yourself to forgive? No, it's not. Like love, it is not a feeling. It is a decision you make right now and continue to do it, renew it every day that follows. I find it encouraging to think of forgiveness in this way because many times it takes your emotions a little while to catch up with your decision, what you know is right. Because emotions, they're not logical. They're real. They can be very loud. But yeah, you need to lead them. You need to lead them. I want to start weaving grace in here as I briefly touch on times when forgiving may be a serious challenge. And we know that there are plenty of those circumstances on the side of being offended or hurt by something much larger than a misunderstanding. And quite frankly, you don't know whether or not the other person was doing it intentionally or if they even care about how it is affecting you. Extending grace is what will help on the path of letting go. Letting go and forgiving are actually the same thing. It's just different terminology. But when it boils down to it, it's the same thing. Letting go of the stuff that's holding you in the prison cell or that's torturing you. It's forgiving and then moving forward without that extra baggage that does not need to be there. So what? extending grace can look like is reframing whatever it was that happened as you know what hurting people hurt people then hit repeat on that thought every day several times a day if necessary and pray pray for help with letting go and pray for the offender just like jesus did on the cross they really really must not know what they are doing. Now, on the offender side of it, extending the grace, grace is critical when it comes to forgiving yourself. I want to pick back up with my personal experience and tell you the rest of the story. When the texting stopped, my mind kept going in the wrong direction. Anyone have the kind of temperament that values truth, order, reliability, dependability, very much a golden rule type of person? Well, that's me. <laughs> and my mind replayed the moment when I realized the person I cared about was hurt by my words, which in turn hurt me. 
I disappointed myself. As the negative thoughts started rolling in and just regurgitating that, I knew that I needed to forgive myself, extend grace to myself. As I prayed for help with doing that, I started to hear words and truths that God wanted me to replay and turn the volume up on. As I started doing that and saying those truths to myself, it felt like God was just wrapping a huge blanket of peace around me. He does that for you too. Whatever it is that may be going on in your life and has been there for a while, turn the volume up on what God is saying. And if it's one of those situations where you felt like you did something wrong and you've been just beating yourself up about it, extend that grace. Hear what he is saying about you, who you are. No matter what it is that you did, it's still not an indication or a definition of who you are. Listen to what he says. Allow him to wrap that blanket of peace around you. Forgive yourself. Apologies, forgiveness, and grace. For me, these are the secret sauces for life in this broken world that we live in. My encouragement is to add them to your life and use them daily. I pray that this has resonated, encouraged, challenged, and blessed you. Keep listening to the podcast. God bless. Man, that was good. Uh, Practical uh, things that you can apply, and Marlena did a great job with that. Now, I just have to admit that I have a great tender spot in my heart for this person that I have a conversation with. Debbie Russell has been with Branches almost from the beginning, a gifted, gifted pastoral counselor. And so this is a conversation that I had with Debbie about her walk through becoming a pastoral counselor. I think you'll enjoy the conversation I have with Debbie Russell. Hey, I am here with a great friend of mine, and to be candid, one of my heroes, uh, Debbie Russell. Debbie is a pastoral counselor at Branches. She has been with us for probably 11, 12 years. Is that right, Debbie? Yeah, 11 for sure. Yeah, and uh, I, I use her as, a, as the poster child for pastoral counselors. She has a tremendous following, does just a terrific job, sees 35 to 40 clients every week, and, uh, and she's just good. She's just really, really good. She's also fun to talk to, a great woman of God, uh, mother, wife, all those things, all those other plates that she spins, but it's really great to talk to her today as a pastoral counselor. So Debbie, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Just finished my work day. How many people did you see today? I saw seven clients today. What's a normal day? What would you see normal? I know we're we're in the as you as people hear this, we're in the middle of the COVID nineteen stuff, so it's down a little bit. What would you see normally? So my normal day is eight. I usually see eight clients uh, Monday through Friday, so just a little bit off today, but seven or eight is pretty typical. Yeah, and I would say to people that don't do counseling. Uh, we tell young counselors 24 to 25 clients a week is is full time. That's a lot to see 25 a week. And so you're seeing 
40 a week. Yeah, it's a lot. I, I mean, I couldn't have done this many when I started for sure, but the Lord obviously grew it at the pace I needed. When I started, I did two, and then it grew <laughs> to 10, and then slowly up to 20, and yeah. so I've been doing it a long time now, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, but I love it, and I love uh, my clients and the work we get to do. That's neat. It's obvious when uh, when we see you that you love it. You can you can tell that you love it. Um, well, let's talk about that just a little bit. Tell me just a little bit about pastoral counseling. How would you distinguish pastoral counseling from, uh, say, a state licensed therapist? What, what what's the difference? What makes a pastoral counselor just that? A pastoral counselor. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest difference to me is that we're using a standard of um, God's Word as what is mm -hmm. the best picture for a person's emotional, physical, and spiritual health. So I get to apply Scripture and the principles from God's Word toward the counseling process um, directly. Um, not that there aren't state-licensed counselors that are Christians that do that um, with permission by their client, but I get to directly do that as a pastoral counselor. That's kind of the, the model. I work from is God's word gives the best picture of what healthy looks like um, and so I get to apply that directly into counseling Wow, that's good so you so you pray with your clients pray for your clients in sessions I imagine there's times you pray with them and oh sure yeah in session you know and I don't I would say that kind of varies by the client I would say pretty much always start a counseling journey with somebody when they're going to be become a new client we in that first session praying over that journey um, and I don't always do the best job managing my time in sessions and don't have time to pray at the end, but I do it with that first session. But also things just like bringing up scripture or encouraging them about some of the spiritual disciplines um, for their own lives and, and, and evaluating how they're doing spiritually as a part of their overall health. Um, encouraging them to be part of a church community and, you know, things like that where yeah. I view that as part of the balance of what healthy looks like. Yeah, that's good. So how did this happen? How did we start this journey that 12 years later we're sitting here talking about pastoral counseling? How, how did that you get into that? Well, I think really there's two ways that it happened. One is that my uh, our dear friend, Tracy, um, mm -hmm. who I had known before I ever started at Branches. She's our clinical right? director. Yep, I'm glad she's my boss. She's the best. But she called me up one day and um, just said, I really think you need to come over here and meet this guy that I've decided to leave my private practice and go be in ministry with. And so I was like, for what? And she said, because you could do this. And I was like, Tracy, I can't do this. I really didn't. Like, I felt totally inadequate. And she very much believed in me and encouraged me. And um, so, so her inviting me to really explore it was, is part of it. And then the other part is just in my own life, having gone through some experiences, um, I was married young and um, got divorced when I was in my uh, mid-20s. And my um, ex-husband had been a sex addict. We didn't even know what to call it back then. I certainly had codependency and issues out of that in my own life that I had been working through healing in. So I think just the compassion for what it looks like to hurt and go through brokenness, especially as a Christian, thinking that life isn't going to turn out that way, and then walking through those kinds of pieces um, just gave me a heart to want to help people. So at the time that I started at Branches, um, also my husband um, was a pastor on staff at a church, and I did a lot of just counseling with people as a part right. of being a pastor's wife already. And so this was just kind of a more uh, formal way to start doing that. And then it turned into a whole career. Yeah, who knew? Did you just uh, come to Branches and open up shop or how did that happen? 
Well, as you know, we all had no idea what we were doing when we started Branches, but I was in on the ground floor. So when I started, I said to myself, okay, Tracy Robinson knows everything there is to know about counseling, which she would dispute, but I will not. And so um, I thought whatever she does, I'm going to do. Like I have always had her as my professional mentor and model for how to do what I'm doing. Um, and if she said, hey, when you want to work, you need to be at the building. If you have hours that you want to work, don't just come when your clients are scheduled. Come during those hours and write notes to people and study and be available because you'll fill your hours faster. And I thought, all right, I'll do that. If that's what she says works, she is very successful at what she's doing. I'm gonna, So I really, I mean, I credit her a lot. I just felt like she knew what she was doing and I respected her life and her practice. And so I've used her as my model. So let's talk about counseling now. Um, you, you see mainly women who are in uh, crisis in their marriage or women with anxiety or depression or all of the above. How, what's your kind of client niche right now? Um, it's kind of evolved over the years. When I started, it was mainly women um, having trouble in marriage or life stage like motherhood, some of those transitions in life that are hard. Um, and then as time has gone on, a, a lot more anxiety, which I actually probably would guess many counselors would say they're seeing more anxiety right now because we just know it's on the rise. And then also uh, grief therapy has become something that I really um, like doing with people. It's such a sacred process to do that. So I do a lot of that. And then recently, the Lord is sending me more senior citizens, and I love them. That's my new favorite niche. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the fact that you and I are getting older than when we started this years ago. I, Maybe. Who's to say? But I still <laughs> like them. You know the old joke that we always say, well, I started branches 13 years ago. I was only 50 when I started it. And I thought, wow, even if that were true, I was older than that. But even if that was true, I would still be old. So... <laughs> At some point, the joke doesn't work anymore. You just get too old. That's right. What What is the greatest challenge that you face as a as a? In fact, let's just kind of expand that a little. As a mother, a wife, and a counselor who sees uh, an inordinate amount of people every week, what What are some of the greatest life challenges that you face in trying to spin all those plates and balance all of that? Well, that's that's a hard question because. I think it's also interconnected. Like it, I think for me, one of the challenges is having balance and boundaries um, and not trying to do too much. My mom was a great role model for me of someone who would take one thing and kind of focus on that and complete it. Um, she went back to college when I was in high school to become a nurse. And so she had been a stay at home mom. Then she was like developed a career path and Anyway, one time she told me, because I have this tendency to stack too many things on my plate, I probably mm -hmm. had a four and two-year-old at that time, would be my mm -hmm. guess, because I needed a lot of help at that stage. And she said, Debbie, you can do everything, but you can't do it all at the same time. <laughs> she said, there are seasons for all the things you want to do. And she said, There's, this is not your season. I, don't, I think I was trying to sign up to lead something at church. Yeah. And she was just like, it's not your season to do that. You'll have a season for that. You'll get to do everything over your lifetime, but you're trying to do it all at the same time. Well, that's good. Yeah, it was really good advice. And I try to, I try to remember that. Um, I think we're also just busy people in our culture. I am naturally busy, so I'm never going to be someone who is very slow paced. I know that about myself. Um, actually, my name means the busy bee. <laughs> I 
can't say that my parents are um, at fault for that one because they picked that name. But because of that, and it's just in my personality to want to have a lot of things going. And then with the codependency in my background, I am a people pleaser and I like earning that approval. So I'm way better at saying no for that reason now. Mm -hmm. But there's still just lots of things that interest me and I get excited about a lot of ideas. And so I want to do them all well. So it's just, I mean, it's kind of a day by day, season by season thing where I have to step back and evaluate. If I start feeling like I need a vacation from my life, then I know I have too much on my plate. Yeah, good. And so what do you do when you do that? Where is your solitude and quiet time? Well, what I do when that happens is admit it to somebody. Okay. Like I confess that because I know what that means. If I feel that way, I have done that to myself. Nobody can make me get that busy. And so it's a symptom usually that I'm not grounded enough in God's word Mm. or I'm just not staying centered enough because why do I need to stack so much on my plate, right? The Lord doesn't need me to do any Mm -hmm. of these things. So I, I try to practice confession. Like I have a couple of friends in my life and my husband that I can just say, okay, I've done it again. And that helps me to be honest about maybe what's going on in my heart and search that out a little bit, figure out why I'm getting overloaded and not saying no to things. And, um, and then, you know, then I slowly shuffle stuff off my plate yeah. the best way I can do that without breaking commitments that seem important, you know, with a renewed energy to not add anything new. Yeah. Yeah. The, the problem is once you recognize that, you're still committed for a while, so it takes you a little while to work your way back out of some of those yes, things. Yes, it does, and it's very frustrating if you've had that cycle through your life more than one time. You think, dang it! <laughs> That's where you pray the prayer. Lord, if you'll get me out of this mess, I promise I will never get into never it again. Never do it again, uh-huh. I've only prayed that prayer a thousand times in my That's life. That's right. Well, I'm just thankful for grace. We are all works yeah. in progress. Yeah, that's good. So let's go to the other side of it then. That's some of the challenges. What about, what has been most fulfilling for you over the, over the last 13, 12 years, and then especially over the, the last few years as you've really kind of found your rhythm and counseling people in the niche that you really enjoy? What's the most fulfilling thing for you? Oh, gosh. Um, I think the most fulfilling is when people recognize that God loves them in a way they've never been able to experience before. So much of our block with God has to do with woundedness from our childhood, trauma, life circumstances we've misinterpreted, you know. Um, And when people can, through a counseling process, like break through that and understand that God deeply loves them and values them just as they are, that's spiritual. That's supernatural. I feel like I just get to be a teeny little part of that. That's God's work. But it's really fulfilling. So that's my favorite. And then I like, I like seeing people break old patterns they've never been able to break out of because they never had like that connected space to talk it out with somebody who could help them step back and see the patterns or the dysfunction and challenge maybe the way they think about things or, um, you know, there's all kinds of things that help people break out of patterns. I do EMDR, which is a trauma therapy, and that helps people break out of patterns. So when you see somebody overcome that obstacle that's always tripped them up, and they've never been able to get past it, and then they get into this place of thriving and and recovery, and they're doing really well, that's super fun. That's my favorite, too. That's good, Debbie. Um, You've done great. This has been a great talk and uh, you brought all of the energy and enthusiasm into it that you do into counseling and I appreciate that. Let me ask you one more question. The theme of this podcast is what difference does that make? There are people that are listening and hearing stories and and I hope that they're asking the question, well, why? how does that apply to me? What difference is that? 
So as I thought about talking to you, I thought of asking you, what's the one thing you would like to say to all of those people that you counsel and how would you, what kind of advice would you give them and how would you help people to live a, a healthier, more balanced life? But then I thought of a better question uh, and this, what difference does that make? My guess is that there will be a lot of people that listen to this who, who like you, they want to help people. They are, they are people persons. They, they take on every project that comes their way. Uh, as a former pastor, those are the people in the church we love. We just, we just wear them out. Uh, that person that wa really wants to help people, wants to find the, their place to do that. What would be, if you could give them one piece of advice, what would be the thing that you would give them to help them to do that in a in an effective way, but also in a healthy way. What would you say to that person that says, I want to, maybe I want to be a pastoral counselor. I, I want to help people. Um, I would say the most important thing in helping others is being deeply connected to Christ yourself. So, I mean, Branches uses the verse, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, he bears much fruit apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think if we aren't connected to him and we try to help people, we tend to make that about us over time. You know, when they don't do well, we feel like failures. When they do well, we feel really good about ourselves. But when we remember that we're just a conduit for God to do healing in other people's lives. Um, so I think just being really rooted to Christ. And then from that, get yourself some smart people around you who can help you and mentor you. Like I, there is no chance I would be where I am if I had not had you and Tracy, Chandy um, in my life when I started. Like 0% chance I'd be good at what I'm doing now. I had a lot of good mentors. Yeah. Debbie, thank you. You are my hero, and I am grateful that God brought us together all those years ago when we were both 20 years old. So that's... <laughs> I'm grateful, too. Have a great day. Be safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Well, I think you can see from listening to that conversation, number one, why Debbie is so successful as a pastoral counselor, but also why she is just one of my favorites and I call her the poster child for branches and talking to us about pastoral counseling. And, and I would say again that perhaps that's something that God has laid on your heart. And if it is, I encourage you to go to the branches website, branchescounselingcenter.com under what we do and then find New Life University or go directly to newlifeuniversity.org, O-R-G, and know more about uh, pastoral counseling in the school that we have there. Well, what difference does that make? Here's the difference it makes, I think. We are never more human beings, more what actually God created us to be, than when we are willing to take the time to help someone else. That's not always easy. Sometimes we have to forgive. Sometimes we have to ignore past hurts. Sometimes we have to do the uncomfortable thing. But I believe we are at our very best as men and women created in the image of God when we are choosing to help other people. I think we'll all be in a better place if we work a little harder at helping others. Thank you for being a part of this. I, I was thinking it's been uh, seven months since we started this podcast. 15 plus episodes 
and I am so grateful that you have been a part of those. If you haven't, then go back and listen to some of the past episodes. I think you'll find things there that you enjoy that are helpful for you. If you haven't subscribed to this, then you can do that. Uh, Check your podcast feed at least monthly and we'll let you know when season two is about to begin. There's also some bonus material that we'll play from time to time. David has probably recorded things that I didn't even know about that he'll stick on here. It'll be fun. And by the way, if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, one of the best things you can do for us is to share that with a friend, share it with other people. There is no better way to promote this than word of mouth. And also, you could go on iTunes and write us a review. That's helpful and it helps the podcast to be promoted out there. But again, I'm so grateful that you've been willing to spend this time with us on what difference does that make. I hope it has helped. I hope it has helped you to help others. I believe that it's something that God has called us to do. And I look forward to beginning season two with you and meeting new friends and hearing new conversations about things that help us to live healthy, holy, and happy lives in a very messy and difficult world. Thanks for being a part of this. Thank you, David Wilkinson, for leading and directing along the way. And thank you, God, for making this possible. Now, make sure that you love yourself today, because God does. What Difference Does That Make with Dr. Mike Courtney is part of the Mana 3 Media Network. It is hosted by Dr. Mike Courtney and is produced and edited by me, David Wilkinson. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd love for you to subscribe to What Difference Does That Make wherever podcasts are downloaded. Be sure to check out our episode show notes. Special thanks to Marlena Butler and Debbie Russell for being on the podcast. You can learn more about Branches Counseling Center on Facebook and Instagram, and you can check out more podcasts by Mana3 Media, including my own, Dad Matters, on Instagram, at Mana3 Media. That's M-A-N-A, the number three, media. What difference does that make with Dr. Mike Courtney? We'll return for season two. Check your feeds regularly. We are going to take a brief hiatus. Thanks for listening, and we shall return.